Hi, this is Hong Kong Design Book Club. Welcome to episode number two. Today we are going to review Practical Empathy by Indian. Hong Kong Design Book Club has more than three years of history, and we meet up to discuss design books once every one or two months. We covered quite a lot of design books and also covered mental models by the same author, Indy Young, about three years ago. We had one of the most productive sessions talking about how we can actually build mental models and how we can make use of them for better customer experiences. We were impressed that the book was really focused on people's behaviors rather than demographics and detail-oriented about the process of building mental models, so it was easy to follow. Today, I'm going to introduce practical empathy. Compared to mental models, this book is more focused on communication skills such as listening, developing and applying empathy, rather than methodologies or technical details. The title, Practical Empathy, means empathy as a skill that can be improved by learning and training, and also mindset that can be slowly developed over time, not as a natural talent. This type of empathy is called cognitive empathy, which is purposely discovering the underlying thoughts and emotions that guide someone else's decisions and behaviors. So why do we need to learn and develop practical empathy? Companies tend to count analytics and quantitative data than qualitative research findings because they sound more scientific and objective. But when we are too comfortable only focusing on numbers and neglecting to explore the real reasons behind the numeric trends, we only come up with short-term solutions which are basically copying our competitors. The author said this is childish and I totally agree, we can see this happens under immature corporation culture. It's a common misconception that only quantitative data is solid and valid, but both quantitative and qualitative data have valid and soft ends of their spectrums. And it's important to understand what makes people tick, with more listening and empathizing with customers for making better changes in our service offering. Quoting from the book, Going deeper than assumptions and opinions in your understanding of people is powerful. If your organization is captivated by metrics, empathy will balance out the numbers. One thing that this book keeps telling us is we need to follow the step-by-step process of listening, developing empathy, and applying empathy. We can't just jump into the applying stage and keep generating solutions without any foundations from the previous steps. We can't just make assumptions on people's needs and push our solutions. There are a bunch of bad examples that fell into this trap. BlackBerry, they thought the hardware keyboard is essential because they only considered corporate email warriors as their customers, but it turned out other customers wanted a touch interface. Windows 8, Microsoft thought customers want a unified user interface and pushed this grid thing to every device and this caused horrible user experiences. So we need to follow the whole steps of listen, simmer, and walk in shoes. After having a decent time exploring people's thinking and habits, and understanding their purposes deeply, solutions we offer will better fit 
real people's lives, and that's how we differentiate our service or products from competitors. Let's look at the quotes about this. People try to act empathetic, to take someone's perspective, to walk in his shoes, without first taking time to develop empathy. This leap is problematic when it comes to your work. You end up with business decisions based on expectations about how others are reasoning, not based on knowledge. The structure of this book is also following the suggested three-step process. So the whole chapter four is about listening. Chapter five is about making sense of what we listened. Chapter six to eight are about applying empathy to our product, service, work, or organization. I think chapter four is offering brilliant listening techniques. It covered well-known interview skills such as asking open questions, being neutral, concentrating on listening, avoiding leading questions or explaining things or demonstrating how smart you are, etc. There are also some differences from classic interview skills. It suggests not to be much of the researcher mode. Be more relaxed and go with the flow. Don't need to prepare a bunch of questions or try hard to be the owner of the conversation and let the speaker keep choosing the direction. It was interesting that this book said we need to avoid to say, okay, great. From my experiences, I think I say, okay, great, a lot. To wrap up a certain conversation, the book says that's great. Smacks of your hurry to get through the sessions or your need to pack in many topics as possible, and it makes sense. I think I was more prepare everything before the session and have to ask everything in time type of researcher. So it was great advice. I can retrospect myself and improve my way of listening. Books about interview skills suggest asking why questions a lot to dig the speaker's deeper reasons behind certain thoughts or behaviors. Good questions don't even need to be full sentences. They allow the speaker to go into more detail without you getting too specific. So questions like these will help you go deeper. Why is that? What were you thinking? What's your reasoning? Tell me more about. Something, because the next step is making sense of what we heard. This is the process to study what the person said to double your understanding without analyzing or synthesizing yet. The main activity here is identifying the concepts in the script and writing down one sentence summary, starting with a verb to each concept. What we better skip here is explanation, fact. Opinion, preference, generalization, passive behavior, conjecture, or concepts that are out of scope because they're often just distracting or simply not necessary. Just being a thin crust over a person's deeper reasoning and guiding principles. After we have summaries, then we start finding patterns. We can look for patterns by memory or by going through all the summaries and creating affinity groups. We can also create a behavioral segment, which is different from demographics. First, collect people's behaviors and reasoning, group similar activities, and create a certain behavioral group. 
then we can ideate holistic solutions for end customers based on these behavioral patterns. This is something very similar that Indy Young said in her previous book, Mental Models. She kept emphasizing that we need to focus on behaviors rather than demographics. And this is also a huge difference between design research to understand how real people act and feel and marketing research to create a certain strategy for attracting the right customers. Let's look at some examples. If we have a demographic-based mindset, we can describe a certain group of people like this, people who are pre-diabetic. But if we focus on behaviors, it can be like this. People who reach for sugary comfort foods out of habit. More quotes. Try to identify when a report includes demographic profiling. For example, if you read something like millennials who use social media become addicted and become unable to put down their phones even late at night. Rephrase it in your head in a way that neutralizes the demographic profiling. Focus on the root behavior. People who have become addicted to social media may have a tendency to check updates late into the night. In Western culture, using demographics as shortened for people's thinking is widespread. You get hit with it in media, entertainment, professional presentation, and casual conversation. People make demographic statements without knowing it, or they make demographic statements as hyperbole. So this practice keeps us from making assumptions, can be more generative and inductive process. The book also encourages you to have more one-on-one sessions and communicate with coworkers because when you have adopted the neutral mindset and listen carefully what other people say, that can give you solutions to a lot of stressful situations at work. Also, when we have our empathy and creativity, we don't have to fight in a zero-sum game or feel pressure to be the fastest one in the market. Instead, we can create new routes in the landscape with our knowledge about real people we support and establish a slow pulse of continuous empathy development. It was impressive how this book offered useful tips and techniques, but I have to say I can really be connected to her philosophy about how empathy can create a new, unique trail in the mountain. Not just following what other people are doing. This is actually my favorite part. Quotes With the empathy you developed for customers, you might be able to help your organization sustain profits not through purchase and repurchase, but through attracting people away from the competition with well-thought-out details or with ideas that support subsets of your audience more closely. Perhaps you can find ways to branch out beyond consumerism. Don't be too focused on methods and speed. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day steps of a technique and cease to think about how applicable the results are or how you might use a different approach for a new scenario. If you are good at using a hammer, then lots of things look like nails. This empathetic mindset helps your organization map out more of this unknown territory so you can confidently branch away from competitors. 
that's it for today. If you liked the episode, please like it and subscribe us. Thank you.